0: You're listening to Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Mark. Janet Weiss, of way more bands than I can mention here, joins the podcast. She's here to talk about her latest release, Cockroach in a Ghost Town, by her band Slang. But we actually go back to find out how that band came to be. We start with her playing guitar, not drums. But once she did find the drums, it was an instant connection. It was so obvious, in fact, that everyone else felt it too. Janet talks about how many lessons she took before joining a band and opening for the Flaming Lips. She also explains her move to Portland, starting a few other bands like Quasi, who ended up being Elliott Smith's band for a while. And we also talk about Slater Kinney. She opens up about a terrible car accident that could have spelled the end of her career, but she had an incredible support system of family, friends, and fans that kept her recovery on track. We do talk about Slang's new album, how things have changed from a duo doing covers to a full band, and we actually wrap up on our mutual love of the automobile. So give the band a follow on Facebook. Check out at T-H-E-E Slang on Instagram and at Real Slang on Twitter. Follow us at PerformanceANX on Twitter and Instagram, and you can help us. We're also on Facebook. And you can help us out through ko-fi.com slash performanceanx.threadless.com for merch. Now let's get right into the show with Janet Weiss of Slang on Performance Anxiety, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network.
1: Okay. Uh, hi, this is Janet Weiss, drummer from Portland, Oregon. Uh, shoot. Okay, I got to start over. I'm not... Okay. Hi, this is Jana Weiss, drummer from Portland, Oregon, and you're listening to Performance Anxiety, where I'm talking about being a drummer, and I'm also talking about my band Slang's new record, which is coming out on Kill Rock Stars, and it's called Cockroach in a Ghost Town.
0: All right, there we go. Let's so see you just connect to the audio.
1: Is it? I don't there think it's working. Yes. Is it working with this mic, though?
0: Yes, I got you.
1: Okay, good. So. let <laughs> You just never know. Oh, I know technology (laughs) is
0: amazing, isn't it?
1: (laughs) Amazingly horrible. It
0: is. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to make a give you a warning real fast. I've my two dogs are just going crazy tonight, so we may hear them in the background. So
1: okay, well, we could hear mine too. (laughs) Okay, well, that
0: that'd be a party. No big deal.
1: Yeah, dog party. (laughs) The best kind. Yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. Well, thank you again for joining me. This is, uh, this is awesome. I'm just, I'm a huge fan of, of your drumming. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> well, really so cool you. to have you on.
1: <laughs> Thanks.
0: The way I like to do this podcast is to kind of find out how you got into music in the first place. I think that helps, helps everybody make a little more sense of, of where you are now. You know, the the okay. new album that's coming out. And, and before we go too deep, I do have a message you, you, hopefully, you, you may or may not remember this guy. Uh, it's a friend of mine, Jordan Zatarosny from Blink of the Star.
1: Uh-huh.
0: He said to say hello. He said oh, he used to we'll see you a lot at Paul Moore's house.
1: The, oh, yeah. <laughs> man, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Paul Moore.: <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's in Topanga Canyon.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so Jordan said to yeah. say hello. He's, he wasn't sure if you right, remember him or not, but he's... Uh, yeah, tell him hi. I will. So, Very cool. So, when you were growing up, Was music big in the house? Was there a lot of it going on? And what was influencing you when you were young?
1: I think probably the biggest two influences on me when I was young. uh, The first would be AM radio. I grew up, you know, a kid in the 70s and sort of the you know the heyday of am radio there was a radio station uh, I grew up in Hollywood California and there was a station called KHJ and it just played such a diverse kind of microcosm of music like you know things butted up against each other that today would not happen you know like Sly and the Family Stone and Bob Dylan and, you know, just things that like were different genres right. that kind of exposed me. The station exposed me to a lot of different types of music. Um, and kind of gave me a, an, a broader idea. I think of what like pop music is, you know, to me, I'm like, Oh, cage you know, like, like the, all the stuff I heard on the radio Jackson five and the Carpenters, you know, right up against something heavier like black Sabbath or, you know, it was just, it was very eclectic and I loved, loved, loved listening to the radio. I still do really enjoy listening to the radio. So that would probably be one of the, one of the bigger influences when I was real little. Also, I have two older sisters, so they influenced me quite a bit. The things they were listening to piqued my interest, like, Elton John, you know, like when I, when I was in like fourth grade, you know, and good, goodbye Elbrick road came out and I, uh, my sister had the gatefold and I would sit there and look at the drawing and just kind of get into that whole vinyl staring at the pictures and, you know, the culture of like, while you're listening to the music, you're sort of absorbing the, you know, the, the liner notes or the photos or, you know, the credits or whatever, like, you know, as a real little kid, I was probably too little to understand what it all was. But as I got older, it just became a habit to like open the record and see what's in there, and yeah. you know, see what I. That was really the only way you got to see what they looked like, you know, or hopefully, right? And you know, <laughs> it wasn't like today where you know what a band looks like first. Like this was like you heard the music, maybe you heard it on the radio, yeah, and then you know you got the record and then you like scoured to like, you know, to like find out who these people were.
0: Yeah. Your resources were limited. You know, maybe if they had a a band photo in, in the album. And I think along with the radio, that's one of the things that's been lost is the art of listening to an album with streaming and and all and satellite radio. You know, you don't get the variety of music on the radio and then you don't, nobody sits down anymore and listens to an entire album front to back. Yeah. I mean, I still do, hits.
1: but yeah. But I my, mean, that's my kids what, don't like, though. That's what makes me an old person.
0: Yeah, me too. And I'm,
1: I'm okay with that. You yeah. know, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I feel so lucky that I grew up when I did and had access to like the, the scenes that I did and the music and the way that I found music, you know, that I just don't know another way. And as something that i truly love i don't think you know i won't be able to like fit myself into the new mold you know cuz yeah. i'm old and like i just like to do it how i like to do it right i like to i like to go to the record store you know i yeah. like to look at records and i love the artwork and um you know like we just got the new slang record like the actual record you know so like after designing it and you know it's just so much work goes into it that like when you get the physical thing (laughs) you know it's there's something so thrilling about it even after all these years and all these records it never gets old like holding that vinyl in your hands for the first time yeah especially that big format yeah it's huge i mean i love cds and all (laughs) but
0: the 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 album vinyl (laughs) the vinyl artwork is just yeah there's nothing like I, it
1: i know to kids we sound like dinosaurs but that's you know that's what i love you know yeah, exactly. that's what i love I, so and i feel like you know to to each his own you know yeah. it, i think it's it's always yeah there you How go about the CD version, is. yeah yeah. That looks pretty that looks pretty nice too. It does. it does. It gets real big when I put it close to the camera. Yeah. So. so, um I, so anyway, so I so I guess vinyl, the radio, uh, and then as I got older, you know, then kind of MTV happened and I would sort of wait to see my favorite bands, you know, come on which was rare. I was yeah. a huge Clash fan. The Clash were my favorite. Band oh, in wow. High school. And I would just wait and wait. I would stay home sick from school so that I could watch <laughs> MTV and wait for a clash video. And I just wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. That's and eventually awesome. it would happen. Or like an Elvis Costello video, you know, when's it going to come on? Right. Yeah. So that was a, like a smaller part. And then the next development would have been like going to college and starting to see more live music. Okay. And like that, that's, I think when, you know, when I started going to clubs, that's when I got the idea that like, maybe I could do it, you know? Cause before that I had never, it hadn't even crossed my mind that I could actually do that because oh, Really. I would go to such big shows like uh, David Bowie at the forum, you know, or I would yeah. use my fake ID to go see X, you know, at some, <laughs> some little club. I mean, they were so glamorous, you know, it was like yeah, dream syndicate, like these bands that I loved that, but they were up on a pedestal, you know, I was like, Oh, I could never be, those were adults. and yeah. I could never be. I could never be like them. Exactly.
0: But you were, oh, you've always had that creative side to you because you did get your degree in photography.
1: I did. So,
0: which I love I because loved, I left school. I, I went to school college for photography, but I, I left.
1: I loved photography and I loved film, but I was, you know, I, I how I just didn't know. Like, how do you make a career out of these things? I'm still asking And luckily, that. luckily music <laughs> came along and you know, sidetracked me completely. And but, I still use the I still use those kind of things that I learned in within music, but, uh, music was definitely like huge, you know, like it was just like the floodgates open. And I was like, Oh.
0: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by better help without a healthy mind. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset and a special offer to performance anxiety listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com performanceanxiety performance anxiety. That's betterhelp.com slash performance anxiety. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast.
1: Well, and your instrument hadn't found you yet because
0: you were playing yeah, guitar right. at
1: that point. Right. I play guitar. I play many instruments badly. (laughs) But the the drums, the drums, I was like, okay. I mean, I feel like I can kind of fake my way in a very rudimentary manner on several instruments. But the drums, I mean, I'm still learning on the drums too, but. Well, that's good though. I put in in more time on the drums and the drums were the most, like uh, they spoke to me the most. They're physical, you know, and I'm like kind of an aggressive person, like a sporty, you know, (laughs) I'm I'm like fairly coordinated. So it was like things that and I and I didn't want to be in the front. So it was like things Ah. that really suited my personality. But you had a kind of a weird transition to drums, though. I mean, it was very quick yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) it was very quick i i don't i just went to a show this band blue movie was playing local san francisco band three-piece the drummer stood up his name is rich ferguson and i actually just saw him at a quasi show in los angeles oh wow it was it was so nice because i mean if not for him i wouldn't be a drummer basically you know like and i went up to him after and i asked him if I could he could give me a lesson (laughs) and he's like, sure. So he gave me a lesson on a pad. That was my one and only drum lesson of my life. Oh my gosh. And then I got asked to be in a band. So it was, I (laughs) I did not know how to play, but I gave it a shot. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And it was very, very humiliating. And (laughs) was that with the Furies? Yeah. The Furies. And you went on tour I, pretty
0: quickly after that, right?
1: yeah, we went on tour. we Gosh. opened for the flame for the flaming lips, Wow, and at the time they had a ba- uh, a drummer named Richard, and he was incredible, and I just would sit there and watch him like at sound check, just like, what am I doing? <laughs> am I, how, well, how am I gonna get up there after he plays? Like, I didn't know anything, you know, like a sound check, like how do you do it? you know yeah. like they ask you for all the instruments, you know, kick drum. And you're kind of like, okay, like, hey, kick drum. I'm like, I don't know how to, you know, I would just watch, watch, wow. watch. I would just had my eye on every drummer I saw to like, try to help me figure out how to do it, you know? Cause I just was thrown right in the deep end. That's amazing. We made the furies actually made a video and I looked for it kind of recently because sam my quasi bandmate he saw the furies he saw the furies before me and after i joined and he i had only been playing drums for two weeks but he said i ruined the band because i was too good oh my
0: gosh that
1: that gives you an idea of the it was very child it was very childlike it was kind of <laughs> like the shags okay like, like a band that would ask a person who didn't know how to play to be in the band that's the kind of band it was
0: <laughs> that's the best description <laughs> i <laughs> I I and, know exactly the sound now. <laughs> and
1: other bands, other bands would be so enamored cuz you can't go back to that. You can't go back to that level of playing. Like no. of just you're like so confident but you don't know what you're doing and bands like Flaming Lips just thought, it, I'm sure it was like really cute, you know? Like, oh, <laughs> it's so cute. And we would try to improvise and it was just, it was a trip. It was a real trip.
0: Oh, I would love to see that video. <laughs> oh man.
1: Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Oh, it gives, <laughs> gives me kind of like chills to think of it. Cause like, oh, I don't want to go back. Good, no, not good. Chi- not good. Chills. <laughs> <laughs> not good. Chill. Okay. Not good. Like uh fever chills. Oh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't want to do that so alright so let's move on so, so how long were you in the Furies and, and when did that I think st- that was a
1: yeah that was about a year okay and and then the bass player I stayed with the bass player Maggie and we started another band called Ed and Ed, Ed, was, yeah, that Ed awesome. was four of us and we were like we you know we really thought we were like we'd figured it all out and <laughs> It was, Ed was fun. Ed Ed like got me into a recording studio for the first time and Oh, really? Yeah, you know, there were things I did with Ed that kind of set the stage for You know, I'd been playing for a year, so I was a little I could play a little bit better. Oh, I still was not a good drummer, but I could play better. <laughs> and we were trying to be really creative.
0: Well, so what was was the sound similar to Anything that would come after Ed or is it a little closer to
1: the Furies? I don't think so. I mean, I it was kind of unique. I mean, there were several songwriters. We all wrote songs. We'd switch around instruments, which I never liked. Like I'd have oh, to go wow. play guitar and I didn't like that. <laughs> and then there'd be two drummers. Sometimes I, you know, we would write instrumentals. We had, I don't know. It was, it was a lot of fun, but very, uh, It was crazy. Crazy (laughs) times. College, you know, four women just were all sort of like, you know, learning how to play and writing songs for the first time. It was, it was great.
0: So things kind of took a step forward with Motor Goat though, right? And how long was it until from, I guess, Ed to Motor Goat?
1: So while I was in Ed, I met Sam Coombs, who uh, we were, so we, met he came to an ed show and then he was in a band called donner party who i love okay yeah one of my was one of my favorite bands at the time and i was psyched because sam from donner party was at the show and he (laughs) wanted to play a show with ed so we played a show and then we kind of got to know each other and then we ended up moving to portland together sam and me sam and i and uh and when we got here, we rented a house and you know the idea was, yeah, we're gonna move to Portland and make a little home recording setup and start a band and play music. And yeah, we did all of that. And uh we got jobs here and I mean we're still here, you know. Yeah. But Kinda we worked out. you know we bought a little Fostex eight track uh this the funniest little quarter inch um you know recording setup and we started this band called motor goat we made a couple of cassettes and then we wanted to start playing live so we got our friend brad who was in a san francisco band called harm farm he moved to portland for a while and played in motor goat we're motor goat ready kids thanks for coming And then then that was kind of like a year, year, I guess, maybe. And there's, I just talked to someone the other night who still has one of the cassettes. Like, you know, they're still floating around. Wow. But then that kind of dissolved. And then Quasi started after Motor Goat. So So, Motor Goat was mostly Sam. Brad wrote some songs too, but it was Sam kind of writing the songs. Yeah. And then Quasi kind of started. And that was when, that was sort of when the Portland scene was really picking up steam and okay. we got to know a bunch of people here and other musicians. And it was like a great, it was a great place to be a musician. And we all had basements and we all had our day jobs. And then we played music, you know, as the thing that we loved and a lot of those friends I still have now. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. Is, yeah. You know, it's like when you look back on your life, like that to me is like a golden era.
0: Quasi. No, I like to say, I love the sound of quasi. So cool. now, I haven't had a chance to listen to, it to Motor Goat. Is, is there a, a, some of the same personnel? Is the sound much different?
1: Motorgoat is guitar. It's like guitar, bass, and drums, whereas okay. Quasi has a lot of the keyboards. Uh, okay. Some songs are keyboards, drums. Some songs are guitar, drums. I think it's probably a mashup between Donner Party and Quasi. Oh, okay. So, but it's guitar driven. Now, it was, was
0: Quasi the band that backed Elliott Smith? Yes. Okay, okay. So how did, how did you meet him and, and start working with him?
1: So yeah, Elliot was just like this quiet guy who was friends with all our friends and was in a band called Heat Miser. And yes. he wanted to record some music that wasn't quite right for Heat Miser, okay. he, you know, kind of presented it. So he, he asked if he could use our wonderful Fostex quarter inch eight track when we were at work. So we would go to work and Elliot would come over and record in our house. <laughs> and we never really heard even what he was doing oh, wow. until a little bit until a little bit later. And we we were just completely blown away by how like quiet and thoughtful it was because He Miser was like a full on rock band. Yeah. Really good rock band, but you know, full on rock band, like backwards baseball caps and <laughs> you know, like like rock. <laughs> yeah. So when we heard this music that Ellie recorded on his own, it was pretty surprising. But yeah, he was a quasi fan and we were a fan of his music and we were friends and we just all hung around the same places. And uh, it just made sense when he wanted to have a band, he asked us, you know, so we opened and then we played with him. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Uh, Did you guys ever record together? I think, well, you know, he recorded with Sam, but I think I... I was also in Slater-Kinney at the time, so there was a little bit of a like, it was a little bit tough to like balance everything. Uh, and Slater-Kinney was, you know, my band, so it wasn't like I couldn't like say no to a Slater-Kinney thing. Oh, right. Yeah. So, you do, do Elliot stuff, even though I really, really enjoyed it. I just felt like I had to kind of focus on my band at the time. But I think we did record, I know I recorded some stuff with Elliot that never came out like oh, wow. at the house at the house. I don't, I don't know where it is now, but it's somewhere. Yeah. And Sam recorded with him a lot. Like Sam went on to be his bass player for a long time. Okay. Yeah. So and
0: you mentioned Slater Kenny. How did you come to meet uh, Carrie and uh, Corinne?
1: Yeah. So, The first time I met them, I was also in a band at the time. This is 1995 or 96. Okay. I was in a band called Junior High with uh, Sean Krogan. He was in a band called Cracker Bash that broke up a great Portland band called Cracker Bash that we all loved. And then he started a new band with Joanna Bolmy, who has played in Quasi and who is the bass player in Steve Malcolm's and the Jicks and. She's recorded, you know, she recorded a lot of Elliot's earlier material. She's very talented musician and engineer. And so I was in this band with Joanna and Sean and we had a guitar player, second guitar player as well. And that band junior high opened for Slater Kinney at upstairs at La Luna, this club that we have here, like the the small room. Okay. And yeah. I just remember thinking how much I liked it. I bought call the doctor at the show and just thought, I thought to myself like, Oh yeah, I could be in that band. Like it was very, wow, you know, like hard hitting, you know, like a uh, kind of aggressive like me. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I just related to it, you know, like, Oh, that seems like music I could play and I would fit, fit in with. And then they somehow like their drummer quit and they, we're looking for a new drummer and it's kind of a mutual friend suggested me. Oh, cool. And so I, yeah. And they remembered like, Oh yeah, this was the person who was the drummer in junior high. And so we had seen each other play. Uh, so yeah. And then I just went to their house, went to Corin's house and went in the basement and just tried out some music and it went really well.
0: Oh, that's awesome. So yeah. at this point when you're, you join Slater Kenny. Is, is Quasi done? Because I know Quasi oh, no. just kind of comes in and out all over yeah. the place.
1: Quasi has... I mean, our first record came out in, I don't know, 96, 97. Yes. So, yeah, it's kind of like... It, it's kind of like the agreement that you make, like, okay, I'm going to be in two or three bands. Like everyone has to be like somewhat cooperative, like, okay, we're not going to all put records out the same year. Like you kind of stagger the records. Okay. Uh, which, which is sort of what we did. Slater-Kinney definitely toured a lot more than Quasi and, but yeah, Quasi's kind of the slow burn, like been there the whole time. And Slater Kenny would take breaks to, you know, for a while there, we were going pretty like full on. started to be built into the schedule i mean i wouldn't have wanted it any other way like playing so much is really great
0: we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors hey guys i want to talk to you about socks for a second why not it's a music podcast but i tried a pair of socks from boldfoot and love them i've only worn them once Because my kids have stolen them. So in my household, that's the best endorsement I can give. And I guess it's fitting because the design I chose was Jailbird. The design I chose was Jailbird. I might keep that in. The socks are 100% American made and 5% of all proceeds go to veteran charities. It makes sense seeing that Boldfoot is a family and veteran owned company. They have a huge variety of styles. So check out boldfoot.com and buy some of the best socks you've ever slapped on your feet and help veterans while you're at it. That's boldfoot.com. Around 2000, you kind of hit overdrive as far as playing because I was looking at <laughs> what, you, what you were involved in around that time from like 99 to, to the early to mid 2000s. All right, you've got the go-betweens, Gold card, all smiles, Bright Eyes, Stephen Malkmus and the Jicks, Ramona Falls, Wild Flag, The Shins, the Drumgasm album...
1: that is not all at that one period. I mean, that's that's, it's spread out, but yeah, yeah, I mean, drummers are not monogamous. Like we cannot just, (laughs) we cannot just have one band. It's not possible. And really, I think it's so helpful to play with different people. Oh, it's bad. It's just so, you know, as a musician, it really makes you better. And you know things I learned from Malcolm's, like just to be, you know, like more easygoing about like the monitors or the gear. Like <laughs> you just don't have to have everything in the monitor, or like you don't, know, you may not get the perfect drum kit when you go. You know, like just to kind of take it as it comes a little bit more. Okay, Um, that
0: sounds like something that yes, you would the, teach you. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think yeah, right? That sounds appropriate. Yeah, but things, you know, I don't know. You learn you learn something in every situation. And for me, I, it's hard for me just to do one thing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's
1: really hard. And I like to just jump around and have some variety.
0: Well, yeah. Cause a lot of those bands have such a, a wide variety of styles to play in. I mean, you know, like go betweens to sound something like Stephen Malkmus and Ramona falls, not anything close to a uh, wild flag. I've actually yeah, found some I really mean, cool it, stuff. It, trying to figure some of these bands because I hadn't heard of some of these bands so I went back to listen and man it's such good like Ramona Falls I had never heard of them before
1: I love that stuff yeah it's cool Uh project i just played one thing you know i didn't like that wasn't like my band so some of it is like you know like james from the shins who's a good friend of mine asked me like hey will you play a couple songs on this record it turned out to be like a radio song you know like a song that i had never been played on the mainstream radio like that was the first time i would hear myself like on the radio it was really exciting Side of football Ill, and a kiss that I kept under
0: my
1: that's awesome you, you just kind of never know like I it's fun to play in different you know where you're being asked different things like doing some things you know like wild flag that was I did a lot in wild flag I was like you know I, that was my band, you know, that was yeah. our band. from the ground up but like something like bright eyes where they i played on a record and then did you know like a world tour with them totally different different setup to me the recording part of it is really like just the most fun Um, because then when you then if you get to tour you get to play some of your own parts but it was also in challenging to learn. Fridays has so mu- so much catalog, you know, oh, yeah. so many songs and they're really different. Um some are more you know, the beats are more like mechanical and the some are really organic and yeah. I learned a lot doing those tours. And some bands tour like fancy with buses and yeah. some <laughs> bands tour in a van, you know. So it's, that's fun too to like get to experience some different Kind of approaches.
0: Was it tough to prepare for for something like the Bright Eyes or the Shins, where uh, they've got such a catalog?
1: Preparation is different for different situations. For something like Bright Eyes, where I was going to do a tour, you know, there's like a list of songs that you need to learn. So I take all that pretty seriously. I study a lot. (laughs) I practice. I wear my headphones. I learn the song just the song, like listening to it. And then I start learning the drums and I make these kind of weird maps that are silly looking, that have a lot of shapes in them so that I know the structure. And I I just kind of practice a lot. And no matter how much I practice, it's usually never enough. (laughs) And you have to kind of be thrown in there and like you learn as you go. But I I do like to prepare. Uh, something, but the Shins, I never toured with them. I just played on the record. So okay. it was like, I just flew to Los Angeles. I had no idea, you know, what it was going to be. And then they just <laughs> played me the song without drums. And I just put my headphones on and just kind of went crazy oh, <laughs> and wow. recorded, you know, like overdubbed the drums. So yeah, that was something where I, you know, my life was my preparation for that. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like sometimes just your life experiences. What you're drawing on when you play, you know, yeah. like your, emo- your emotions or your, for me, it's a very emotional, visceral kind of situation when I'm playing. How, I guess, how and when did
0: you end up meeting Drew grow and start slang?
1: So I met Drew about almost 12 years ago and we started dating. And we were both in other bands. I had just started Wild Flag with Carrie and Mary and Rebecca, so that whole like wonderful circus had just started, and he was in a band at the time as well and I think when we first started playing together, it was more it was casual. It was like, hey, we're both in these other bands that take up most of our time and." why don't we start a cover, a cover band, <laughs> but oh, cool. like kind of covers that maybe some people wouldn't know. So it was just the two oh, of us oh, Nice. and Drew's an amazing singer. Like he can kind of sing anything. Yeah. Like he's a guy who can sing Aretha Franklin, you know, like That's... there's not that many people who can do that and not sound ridiculous, but he, right. he has such a great voice and it was and I love picking out covers. so it was like I was like a kid in a candy store, like, oh that's awesome. out picking out these songs, like what about this one? What about this one? What about this one? And um, so we just kind of started playing like that, like very just fun. There was no pressure. We did some shows, you know, like living room show or a show in Seattle or you know, opening some little show in Portland. It was just not we there were no ambitions attached to it, okay. We just wanted to play together because we like, we like each other. (laughs) And that eventually kind of morphed into, well, let's write some original songs and see how that goes. And then, well, let's record some songs and see how that goes. We have a pro tools uh, at this point we live together. So we have a pro tools set up in a little studio in our basement. Uh, And then it just kind of kept snowballing to like, Oh, well now we've got this many songs, you know, let's get Sam to come over and play bass on the song. So Sam will come over, you know, play this really awesome bass. And then at some point, the next step was like, why don't we get a band so that we can start, you know, being a real band and playing shows. So we asked Kathy and Anita, you know, two of Portland's finest. Yes to uh to join us and so th- th- you know then that was like okay now we're a real band but there were still obstacles i feel like <laughs> slang has had a lot of obstacles in our short life um, i got in a really bad car accident yeah. in 2019 and that sidelined me for you know quite a bit and then COVID happened Um, And so we're just now with the record being done, coming out, we've got the record release shows and we're just starting to feel like, okay, now we're actually getting going. And there's still a lot going on for each of us. Like everybody works and everybody has other bands and, but it's a priority and we enjoy playing together and, and we're hoping, you know, to like do more now that, bands are able to tour a little, little bit more easily. Not, yeah, you know it's pretty crowded out there. Um, oh yeah, and there's you know there's still COVID kind of screwing things up, but it's definitely better this year than it was last year.
0: So I have a question for you before we dive into the debut slang album. So you mentioned the car accident broke both your legs and your collarbone. Did that change the way you played at all or, or any any the way you approached music at all?
1: Uh, I mean, mostly it changed just, I don't know, just kind of my overall like love of life. You know, that's fair. I mean, I, it, it definitely, it definitely forces you to appreciate just, you know, things you may have taken for granted, like the things you have and the health, you know, having your health is just the most valuable thing. And, and for me, the, probably the biggest revelation was just that I had this like network of people that were there for me, like friends, family, fans, you know, like, like a big net. Like people really wanted to take care of me and support me through this like super traumatizing event. And that is just like, I'll never get over it. You know, just how amazing it is to have that kind of support system. And people were like, wanted to give back, you know, like, well, I love your music. They didn't even know me, but they treated me like I was their family. You know, it was that was very moving. Like every day it was incredibly moving. So if I could never play music again, at least I had that, you know, Yeah. but I was pretty determined to play. Drums <laughs> again. <laughs> um, I had to like rejigger things, my kit, I had to move things around a little bit to like, so I could sit closer. Okay. And I still have some pain in my leg. My arm feels fine, but I feel like I can play. The same now. And I just did a tour with Quasi and I played in uh, John Spencer's band called the Hitma- Hitmakers. Oh, cool. So I did double duty. It was very challenging and I definitely felt the limits of like my body, but I did feel like I could play to a level that to me is acceptable um, and I could load gear and I could help. You know, I wasn't like a total liability, which was. <laughs> definitely (laughs) scary for a while there like am I just gonna be the person who can't help you know and and so I think now I feel like I'm back like I'm not sure I'll ever be a hundred percent but I do feel like my playing is similar okay you know maybe, maybe a few little things kick drum wise that I can't do as well, but it's. I don't think it's noticeable except to me. Right. I hope <laughs> that's a hope. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but well, I'll take it. I'm. I'm super grateful that I can do it and. Yeah. At this level, or anything you know, close to like a f- full on like tour, you know, play for an hour and a half, play for two hours. Like I'm just really psyched that I can do that. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah. So I have some questions about
0: the album. So it's okay. Slang's debut album. Correct. And the first time I listened to it, I was in my car. So I wasn't looking at the songs or anything because you know, trying to be safe and drive, <laughs> not, not, not look down at liner notes and stuff. So I hear a couple songs and then I hear this bass line and I know this song. And it was Hit the City. How did you pick that song? Because I, I love Mark Lanigan. I'm a huge Lanigan fan, and that's my favorite song off the Bubblegum album.
1: Yeah, I, well, the story to my hearing that song is that uh, I was with Sam on a quasi tour of England. We did like a UK tour and England and Ireland, and we were at some little art house venue. We were on like the third floor, and our little backstage room but you could hear down in the main room there was a dj like a very very hip dj englishly okay. stylish you know very <laughs> 60s looking and he was super cool <laughs> and i heard i heard the, this, these harmonies and i was like who is that singing? Like who I mostly I was like, who is that woman singing? Yeah. Like who is that? Who is that woman singing those harmonies? And I think I might have been able to tell that it was Mark Lanigan. I did not know the song. And I hiked down the stairs and I went down there and I went into the room, went up to the DJ and said, Who, who's singing these harmonies? These oh well that's PJ Harvey. And I was like, okay. Well, that <laughs> makes total sense. And then as I got closer, like Lanigan's, I could tell it was Lanigan but I didn't know that they, I hadn't heard that record and I hadn't heard that song and it was just so fantastic. And you know, I'm a harmony singer. She is not a harmony singer. No. She's a lead. She's a lead singer, yeah. but man, can she sing harmonies? Like her voice just is so stellar. And, uh, and so yeah, that's so that's, unique. It's a very unique sound yeah.
0: on that. For that, uh, that, because yeah, she's
1: not, cause she's a lead singer. Yeah. You know, you get, you get the two lead singers together. So it's like, good stuff's going to happen. Yeah. But I was very impressed with the song and I love her voice. And uh, I don't know, Drew and I just were like, yeah, let's cover it. That was- and then with Anita, you know, adding like Kathy and Anita and Anita's solo is just so incredibly good. You know, like that was that was a real thrill recording that and watching her just whip out these incredible like it's not edited together you know like Aerosmith used to do. Oh like nice. it's the actual it's the actual solo.
0: <laughs> I have what's his name? I can't remember the studio guy come in and do all of Joe's solos. Yeah. <laughs> Comp everything yeah. together. Well
1: Anita could be that person. She could go play Joe Perry solos for him. Oh, he might still need it. I don't know. He
0: might need it more than ever <laughs> at this point.
1: But I also love
0: the way the album opens up with Wilder. That sounds awesome. I can hear that in like a, a stadium, open up a football game or something. That is, that is a great, and it's a huge track. I love it.
1: Yeah. Thanks. We, uh, we ended up, so we recorded, we recorded it in the basement and then just thought like wow. we need, we need to get like the drums sounding better, you know? So we actually took some of the songs And I overdub drums like to that one in this. It's like a, it's a huge room with a, like a skate pool in it. It's like a big, wow. Boomy, huge sounding room. So that really helped push that song kind of over the edge, but yeah, it's a fun way to start the shows and. Oh yeah. yeah, We're, we're really into the, you know, the ladies singing a lot and like just kind of belting it out, singing together and singing harmonies. And it, you know, it kind of takes three of us to like match Drew. It's like yeah. Drew's <laughs> huge voice against, and then the three of us are like, spot, you know, coming to get him. Oh, uh, yeah. His, yeah. His
0: vocals are amazing. Like, so one of the coolest things uh, to, for me on this album is the, the glam style that you guys do. The, uh, there's like this big on, on several tracks. There's this like big '70s Bowie kind of glam sound, like in Hot Water and Chipped Tooth. <sighs> Drunk, isn't that right?
1: you I mean, yeah, he kind of sounds Bowie-esque singing. Yeah, he—we were definitely listening to a lot of that at the time. We were, you know, T. Rex and and Bowie, and some stuff that Drew was kind of getting into for the first time, like this kind of glam. Uh, the the glam world and I think he just <laughs> dove in and really embraced it oh, and awesome you know as a as like a writer or like the characters you know that he is it kind of gave him some freedom to like be expressive and like okay. you, you know you don't always have to be yourself you can kind of inhabit these characters when you're singing or writing and some of that is definitely you know getting into that the glam world
0: oh yeah that was I mean gosh. But we made a career out of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it,
1: you can do it. You yeah. may as well do it. Exactly. So
0: another cool track that's always that, that stands out to me every time I've listened to the album and I've listened to it a lot lately is Wrong Wrong Wrong. Mm-hmm. That is so fuzzy and bouncy. It is just a, a, it's just of It's one of the most fun tracks on the on the album.
1: like it's so weird and we're like really it's weird like it doesn't seem weird to us <laughs> uh, but we were so in it like drew and i just down there in the studio like you know adding stuff and taking stuff away and he'd go down there and then i'd go down there and we'd you know try things it was very collaborative the two of us kind of pushing each other like i love arranging and of switching things around like he would say oh well that's the chorus i'm like that's not the chorus like this other thing's the chorus like that's the chorus no this is the chorus. no that's the chorus you know like just really kind of getting into it on on a lot of levels and kind of i mean it's in our house you know so like we're always able to go down and work on it you know for better or for worse like now that we're more of like a band I would imagine there, the musical, the recording will be a little more live. And there are a couple of songs that we recorded with Kathy and, and Anita that, you know, have a bit more of the live feel, but yeah, I mean, t- technically we could have just re-recorded the whole thing, like with the four piece playing together live. But I think it's a good document of the album as it is, as a good document as what we were doing and, and the progression of slangs. I'm sure the next record will be more of a live record because of how we are writing now. Right. But at the time it really was just Drew And me like in the basement, you wow. know, working on stuff and, you know, it's, it got to be very comfortable. Like he he lets me comp his vocals or decide which vocal takes are best or, you know, like this verse is best from this one and this verse is best from this one. And there's a lot of trust there now in that way, which is really great.
0: Was it tough to decide when a song was finished?
1: I guess that's kind of a hard thing. Yeah. I can't even remember now. I think it's pretty obvious, but I'm sure we overworked some things and then had to go back. (laughs) I think I can remember like, you know, like trying something else. I mean, okay, it's, it's done. That's it. That's it. You know? And at a certain point there's a time restriction, which is always good to have, Yeah. you know, like it's due at this point. And then you just have to finish like, otherwise, you know, it does get, you know, you start going down the rabbit hole. Oh Yeah. You could always change everything, you know, like, and you just want to find that balance of like giving it enough time, but not giving it too much, too much time. I can't believe that bands would spend, you know, every day for years in the studio, just racking up costs. And that seems writing in the studio to that extent seems really tough. Well, you know, we're in our house where it doesn't cost any money. Yeah. So, uh, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to do that if we were in a studio.
0: Oh no. Yeah. You'd have a lot more restrictions.
1: Yeah. And you can't, just can't afford it to like exactly. camp out there for two years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Unless you're like,
0: Guns N' Roses or the Rolling Stones. Yeah. Or, like, and it,
1: like Guns N' Roses, it didn't help them so much. I don't think.
0: No. I mean that, that album came out and literally a week later I saw it in, at for $1.99. ninety nine yeah like, oh, that's gotta uh, be heartbreaking yeah uh, well you know but i, yeah. I love the title track
1: oh, cool. a, okay,
0: good. that that is to me that's the one that's a little more unique sounding on the album uh-huh. than than uh uh, wrong, wrong, wrong. That one kind of stands out a little bit as being a little little different from. And then, the, not that everything sounds the same because there's a, a wide variety of styles, but that mm-hmm. one to me just seems a little bit apart from the rest. I don't want to have to start again. After it died again.
1: I'm rubbing two sticks together again. in
0: a ghost town again I don't want to have to start again There is a rock in my chest I'm an evaporating
1: boy That one's very personal It's a very, it's a very personal story of Drew's. Okay. You know, it's it's not a character that's like, you know, not that they're all characters, but this one is like the one that kind of crystallizes what he was going through when he was writing the words. Okay. So, you know, if I was going to take one song, like what's the record about? Like it's, that's a good one lyrically to like, you know, his kind of struggles human his human struggles uh, are all encapsulated i think in that song
0: well that song and wilder are my two favorites off the album so okay that cool i absolutely good to know yes yeah. <laughs> his <laughs> vocals are amazing the music is incredible everything just kind of and they both hit in different ways okay um, good well thanks that's about it for the album but okay i did hear that you are very much into cars I do love cars. I love cars as well. I am a huge <laughs> d- car nut.
1: I just Drew and I walked to get coffee and there was a it's like brand new 911 Porsche Targa Turbo. Oh wow. silver. And I was like, okay, could I pull it off? Like <laughs> can you see me in that car? He's like, Yeah, I think I think that car really suits you. And it was like the compliment of the day. Like, yeah. oh, okay, great. <laughs> I love cars. I do love cars. I hate to say it because it's you know like we need to be phasing cars out but i do love them and i love the old cars and i even love new cars yeah me
0: too um, me too it's,
1: it's fun it's just a fun thing and they look so awesome and some are so stupid yes yeah. you know <laughs> and some are so great oh i would love to have one one of
0: each type a, a stupid car, like a Reliant Robin kind yeah. of a thing.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> I would love that. I would love an, a, a hot rod. I, I used to b- restore cars and build hot rods with my dad. So I, I would love to get back into that if I could ever afford it again.
1: That's the thing is that it's, it's not just, you can't just pick one. No. Like, and it's all different styles. I was driving to go to this big dog park that I go to a couple times a week. And there was a, car like a little car show in the parking lot of a diner oh, and i just practically crashed like, I, was like no, I gotta go you know, I, I gotta go see these cars it was all like muscle cars and oh. you know cars from 1965 just these old codgers out there oh yeah like, okay well eventually you know like <laughs> i can't play music i could just get into this whole like classic car scene oh yeah I, I'd, I'd be the youngster <laughs> there you go <laughs> i'm the i'm old for music but i'd be young for classic
0: cars oh for for years i drove like when i was in high school it's so 90 91 i graduated in 91 so from 90 to 91 every day to high school i drove a 1953 ford f100 wow but it had a 400 chevy small block in it <laughs> so it is a small block v not not the big block 400 but man i had so much fun driving that it had the only thing power in it were the brakes it had the manual steering so the, the steering wheel was like six feet across it That's was very cool oh it was my i love that car if i could get that thing Did kids like that
1: car were kids into it or were kids like he's driving this weird weird Both.
0: car the, the kid yeah. okay. when when they if they saw me as soon as i passed because i basically just had straight pipes coming off of off the exhaust and it, it had a uh, like a uh, glass packs but all the uh, fiberglass had blown out they were, they'd been uh-huh. on there for so long that uh it was basically just almost like straight pipes dumping out right behind the uh <laughs> right in front of the the rear fenders so it was okay if, if the running boards were off it would have been like side pipes it was, it was just I, <laughs> it was so loud i love that thing
1: well there's always the car the one that got away that people dream about yeah when you hit midlife and then you want the car back and yeah mine are always like these grocery getter like (laughs) uh, port wagons that i get super attached to those things are awesome so, so i need a i need a wagon but you know like the 97 850r Volvo wagon, which oh. I, you know, if I had that car in a stick shift, that would be it. Like I just would be the happiest person. That car's no joke either. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. If you ever w- a rocket ship in it, but it looks like a, you know, like an old lady's car, which fits
0: me. Have you, have you ever watched <laughs> the show top gear?
1: Oh yeah. Did
0: you see the one where they took the Volvo wagon through Africa? No, I think, I think it was either Africa or South America. I don't remember which one it was. Oh, my gosh. You should look that one up. It's (laughs) okay. It's amazing. James May took that one. I mean, you might not like it because it doesn't end up well (laughs) for the car. All right. Well, (laughs) that's okay. (laughs) It's TV. Exactly. (laughs) Janet I've I've kept you for a while we've gone through two Zoom sessions so (laughs) I really thank you so much for spending all this time with me and talking about all your music and I love the new album so
1: yeah thanks thank you for having me on it was a lot of fun oh
0: it is my pleasure how can listeners get the album the new slang album the first slang album and uh, is there a social media presence where they can follow you guys for shows and things like that
1: yeah we have uh our Instagram, I'm like, what is it? It's, real, real. it's like Twitter is real slang. Instagram is just slang. And Facebook is slang. <laughs> Hard to keep track. I'm in a lot of bands. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a slang band camp, and that's the best place okay. to buy the record or pre-order this week. It comes out a week from today, or actually it'll come out, you know, whenever i guess or maybe it'll already be out yeah playing so yeah, band camp is a place to buy the record and then yeah instagram we list all the shows and what's coming up and yeah, we're, we're out there